Hello everyone, and welcome to Bridging the Gap with Chief Barnes. I'm your host, Chief Sean Barnes of the Madison Police Department. The purpose of this podcast is to bring perspective to the field of policing, which is often a black box to many communities. Our department aims to bridge the gap between the police and the community we serve in order to increase trust and legitimacy in the Madison Police Department. We will be conducting interviews with stakeholders and decision makers regarding a variety of topics which affect public safety here in Madison. In our inaugural episode, entitled Where I'm From, Henry Sanders from Madison 365 will assume hosting duties. We will explore a few moments in my life which greatly influence my professional leadership style and philosophy around policing, as well as MPD's vision for public safety here in Madison. We hope you enjoy. This is Henry Sanders uh, from Madison 365, and I am here with uh, Chief Barnes, and I'm excited to be here, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Henry, first of all, thank you for agreeing to do this. I know you are an extremely busy person, and you found time to, uh, to help us bridge the gap a little bit, and so I want to say thank you uh, on behalf of myself and my department, and of course, uh, the Madison community, which you've been a part of for a very, very long time. Yeah, for a very, very, very long time. 49 years. Is that, that's a long time. Are you young? You're a young man. Is that young? I don't feel young anymore. You know, Chief, I'm glad that you're doing this. Uh, you know, a lot of times I think the community feels that there's a, a gap, a bridge between the community and the police officers. And so when you came to me with this idea of doing a podcast and doing it often, I love the idea. You know, where, where did that come from? Where did the idea come from? Well, you know, I, I always try to um, do something different. And I know that, you know, we, we get so much information, we, we get uh, written blogs, and there's so much out there. Uh, but, but really, I just wanted to do something that people can listen to quickly, understand uh, who are the people who are serving their community, and understand what we're doing to keep everyone safe and to make people uh, feel safe. You know, I have a face for radio. So I thought it would be a good idea uh, to just do a quick uh, recorded podcast. Okay. I love that face for radio. <laughs> well, you know, as, as a, a, being a black man who's a police officer in this time, it's an interesting, must be an interesting challenge to do that. But I'm more interested right now about your past. Like how does someone, uh, a black man who's growing up, decide to be a police officer, right? So like, where did you grow up? Like, where, where are you originally from? Yeah, you know, if, if, you, if you're looking for a traditional model of what it's like uh, to grow up and be a police chief, uh, my backstory is probably not where you want, right? Um, you know, I grew up uh, in the rural south um, in abject poverty. But when you say rural south, what's that? My mama's from Alabama. My dad's Mississippi. Like, where are you from in the south? So I'm from a little small town called Murfreesboro, uh, North Carolina. It sits on the the border of North Carolina uh, and Virginia. Um, it's close to a little town called Como, North Carolina, where a lot of my family is from. Uh, Charles Gatling is from there. He's the person who invented the Gatling gun, which... Uh, became the modern day machine gun, uh, helped to win the the, the Civil War. But uh, Murfreesboro is a small, very poor town. 
Um, I, I, I grew up uh, living with my grandparents as my mother was young with me in a, a farmhouse with no running water, uh, no indoor plumbing, but we had a tremendous sense of community, which you often find uh, uh, in, in small farming towns because you, you never have everything that you need, but someone does. And so you, you learn how to get along with people. You learn how to, um, to treat people well. Um, and our, our community was very diverse. Uh, we had white farmers and black farmers and, and subsequent, we would have migrant farmers come up because we have, uh, you know, uh, watermelons and all this other kind of things that people pick. And so it was always very diverse and people always treated each other well. The only time uh, my community was segregated was on Sundays when we went <laughs> to church. our church and they went to theirs. <laughs> You said you mentioned that your mom was young. So how old, how old was she when she had you? Uh, my mom was uh, 17 uh, when she had me, and our birthdays are about a month apart. Um, at some point um, when I was about two, uh, my mom came to Madison, Wisconsin, uh, to follow her big brother, who was a, a student at UW-Madison. Uh, she was here for a, a small time uh, but wasn't really financially able to stay. So back then, you know, you took the bus and we took the bus back down to North Carolina where, where, where we grew up. And um, she was able to uh, get a, an apartment and, and community housing or housing projects or whatever you want to call it and worked extremely hard to become a physical therapist assistant and met my stepfather who, who raised me and just a, an, an awesome person. And so many experiences there that really kind of helped kind of shape who I am as a person and, and my tremendous sense of, of community. Did you, know your, did you know your biological dad at all? Uh, I met my biological dad when I was about 35 wow. uh, years old. Um, um, you know, it's just one of those things where it was kind of time to meet him, and, and um, he turned out to be a very wonderful person. Uh, he's since passed on, but, you know, in those days, uh, things were different. And, um, you know, I don't think my grandparents took kindly of, of their baby girl uh, being a teen mom. And, and there were some things there. But, you know, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, all your experiences that you've been through really kind of help shape who you are. And uh, when you have adversity, when you have things that happen in your life, you have to figure out, you know, how do you develop a sense of uh, resilience? And that's one of the things that I think uh, I bring uh, to this profession. What's interesting, I think most people, when they think police officers, they would think someone comes from a two-family household, traditional, you know, that they don't understand the challenge of growing up in the communities where there's more some challenges, that they don't come from single-parent homes. When I'm listening to you, you are the opposite of all that. Like, you really have come from a community that sounded like it was the South, which is a different culture were raised by your grandparents, where a lot of black folks were raised by their grandparents, single home. And then you took that to being a police officer. Right? How did you even, what did you do after you left the South? Like, did you, did you jump from the South and say, I want to be a police officer? Or did you go like, what, what was the? Uh, no, no, I, I um, you know, my, my journey, I, I think has, has been, you know, I, you know, again, starting out in, in abject poverty, and like we upgraded to the projects, <laughs> like that was an upgrade for me. Like the first time you have running water is when you're in the projects. And then watching my mom work extremely hard, she's exceptionally 
uh, smart person going back to college and becoming a physical therapist assistant. And then my dad um, working really hard. My dad built his business before he purchased our home. Oh, and so he was so, an entrepreneur. Yeah, he was an entrepreneur. And so, you know, he, he, he purchased uh, our home and um, he was uh, had a business uh, with with another per- funny story about my dad is uh, so he he decided that he wanted to go out on his own. He was in business with someone else. And I remember waking up one day and I'm hearing this beep, beep, beep right from a dump truck and several dump trucks. And I look outside and there's these dump trucks. and I see my dad. So I get up, I go outside and um, my dad has purchased this big plot of land near our home. So I walk down there to see what's going on. And that's where my dad is building his solo business. And um, he gives me a shovel, Henry, <laughs> and the trucks leave. And there's these markers. And he tells me to spread this dirt with the shovel, right? And so I'm out there and, you know, it's North Carolina summers and it's hot and I'm spreading it. And I'm hot and dirty. And I said, okay. I put the shovel down and I literally walked to a white farmer's home. His name was Wimber Future. And I asked him, could I borrow his tractor? Like, I'm in like the ninth grade, maybe. And he gives me his tractor. I drive up to my home. And I Wait, how do you even know how to drive a tractor? Like, I had no You're making this like, it's like, just drive a tractor. Just hey, you know what? <laughs> you figure it out if you want to get it done. And so I don't know too many chiefs that know how to drive a tractor. I'm sure there may be some, but I certainly do. And um, I put a spade on that thing, and um, I went back, and I spread that dirt. And my father came home at lunchtime, and he was incensed. Really? My goodness. He was about as red as you could ever possibly believe. Uh, He was trying to teach me a very important lesson about hard work and about uh, the ability to get things done, you know, one shovel at a time, right? But for me, I always felt as if, if there's a problem that needs to be fixed, I want the quickest way to do that because results matter to people. So even though my father was trying to teach me the lesson of, of, of hard work, which I felt like I, I kind of already knew, but I felt like it was important that, that I teach my dad too that, hey, as quickly as this dirt is spread, you can start building a foundation for your own financial independence, the financial independence of my family. And so when I think about policing, I think about so many problems that we have and solutions, whether it's gun violence, domestic violence, whether it's traffic, like all of these problems affect our life. And so I try to find the most efficient way to do that through evidence-based policing because it matters to people. You know, people who, like me, grew up, you know, to hearing gunshots, um, to, you know, I saw my first homicide at 12, right? And so that matters to people. And so... I have to find the most efficient way to solve those problems, and I do that through evidence-based policing. There's so much you just said. Uh, I love that even at a young age, you kind of knew your philosophy of to being effective. I always tell people being busy is not the goal. Being effective is trying to be the goal. And at that age, you were still you were thinking about that. But can, you, can we go back to you said, I mean, you just mentioned it. At 12 years old, you saw a homicide at 12 years of age. I can't imagine that being at 12 years of age. And did that impact you in a way that propelled you to be a police officer, you think, seeing that homicide? Actually, it didn't. 
because the worst thing that you want in any community is to normalize crime. And for us, it was very normal. You know, I remember the guys, you know, racing motorcycles and crashing and, you know, uh, becoming extremely, you know, hurt from that. I, I remember the, the first night we, we lived, we moved in, uh, all the hubcaps gone off my mom's, you know, 70-something Monte Carlo. is brown, you know, it was long as this room probably. I remember having, you know, we had, you know, you hang your clothes outside. There was no dryers, but you had to bring them in before it got dark or people would steal them. Things were just normal. I remember walking into my apartment and seeing someone uh, holding our VCR. And my mom's like, get out of here. And the person putting it down and just calmly walking off. She never called the police on that. So it didn't influence me to become a police officer, but those experiences certainly influenced me to take everything that I see in police and in public safety very seriously. That's no small crime to me. And the fact that I hate crime, I hate people who victimize other people instead of adding, um, instead of adding a, a benefit to the community, I've always cared deeply about that, and I do everything that I can in order to prevent that. You like to protect. I mean, literally protect and serve is what I'm hearing you say, which is, you know, it's almost cliche, but that sounds yeah. like what I hear you saying. Did you ever have negative experience with police officers when you were younger? Being in, I mean, you're basically in the hood, it sounds like. Did you have negative experiences with the police officers? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I am a black man living in America. And if you live long enough, you're going to have a, a negative experience uh, with something or someone, whether it's a teacher or coach or, or even uh, a police officer. Um, you know, I, I had a little part-time job uh, washing dishes at a, a local restaurant, and I had two friends of mine who both worked there who were both white, a female and a male, and we decided to go to a midnight movie. And so uh, we got off, worked really hard to get out of there, get the restaurant ready, and we were going to go and, and pick up my girlfriend at the time. And so I'm riding in the back. You know, I'm, I'm decked out. I got a little money, so I'm looking good, you know, Lakers hat on, and uh, they're in the front, and we're just riding. You know, it's nothing going on, and we stopped for gas, and a police officer pulled behind us. I still remember who he is uh, to this day. And um, he pulled me out of the car, and um, he performed an illegal search on me, never had my permission or anything. Uh, to him, it wasn't three friends who just finished working a 10-hour shift at a restaurant going to a midnight movie it was a black guy in the back with two white people in the front. Obviously, I'm their dealer. And I remember him searching my, my hat. I remember um, him searching my shoes. I remember leaning against the car. But what I remember most, Henry, is looking up in that gas station and look at people, look at me as they walked and went about their business, and no one thought that it was unusual. No one thought that um, that it should not have been that way. It was normal to the people who were looking back at me. And so I will never forget that uh, experience. And so I often, you know, I, I teach all over the country and, and talk to police officers about this idea of justice and what justice actually means. And justice is when police officers use their power or more importantly, when they exercise their power against things that are wrong. 
And so when you look at some of the things that have happened around the country, what you see is injustice. You see people not exercising their power against love. And so that's the thing that I think one of the things that I bring to this police department, one of the things I'm very proud about this police department is that we all get it because I preach it. I talk about it. When I talk about selfless public service, use your power, use your power against anything that doesn't look like love. And certainly it's nothing wrong with uh, doing investigations, but what is wrong is when you violate someone's rights or you make an assumption about them because of what they look like or who they are. What an experience, 12 years of age, seeing a homicide. And then how old were you think when this happened? When you, you 16 maybe? Yeah, I was probably 16. I was probably 16, definitely, because I was working. And you can still remember it to this day. Like I'm looking at your face and you can see <laughs> yeah. it replaying in your mind. And then still, you're a police chief. This, I mean, I think we have to connect those dots for some people because it seems like you've seen a lot of challenges. You've seen crime. You've grew up around crime. You've been around, seen someone actually killed, a homicide, literally someone killed. And you had experience where police officers, you know, didn't treat you the best. But somehow you still found, it sounds like to me that you found the place to, to serve and protect that trumped everything else. And you used love a lot in there too. For some reason that was more in you to say I want to do something to change the system or to help the system than yeah, well, be anti the system. Not initially. So initially, I was a public school teacher. And, you know, I, that was the path that I was on. I had a mentor who was, um, who was a, a, a principal. And I wanted to change the world through education because I remember what it was like for me um, being pulled out of class. And they go, well, you know, you're, you're academically gifted. And um, I'll, we're going to move you to this entirely new class and you're not going to see anyone that looks like you. You're not going to see any of your friends. And you're going to eat different. And literally, we literally had parents who brought us our lunch. I didn't go to the cat. I was on free lunch. You know what that? Mm. You heard about that, yeah. right? Yeah. So I was on free lunch. So it was like we ate differently. We did a, a experiential learning, and I just felt that was totally unfair. Totally un. Even at a very young, I was probably in the fourth grade when that happened. And uh, they gave me the letter. I, I brought it home. Uh, I gave it to my mom, and she kind of just kind of looked at it like, wait a minute, are you smart? Like, <laughs> God, I don't know. That's what the people say. I just want to go to school and have a good time. But, no, I, my path was to be a teacher. That's what I really wanted to do. And then when I, when I moved, um, people were telling me about an opportunity to be a police officer at that time in Greensboro. They were talking about problem-oriented policing and Books have been written about what they were doing with their field training. In high program. school, people were telling me. Well, no, this was um, after, I, after I got out of high school and, and, and started teaching or whatever. Uh, and so I got into policing a little bit later. I wasn't like straight out of college. I want to change the world. No, I just wanted to be a teacher. I was a basketball coach, um, and, and I really enjoyed that. But then this opportunity came up. And so I said, well, I'll do policing for a little while, and then I'll go and become a principal, right? This is not something I really want to do. But when I got into it, I got exposed to people who were servants, selfless servants. And they were all my mentors. They were all people who really 
wanted to do the right thing. So that was my exposure to policing. I think, you know, right now, Henry, people are trying to figure out, is it nature or nurture? Are we hiring the wrong people with getting these outcomes or are we making them that way? And I think we, for the most part, we hire the right people, but we also make people. And you have to make people in the the image of policing that your community uh, expects. And so once I got into policing, I, I, I loved it. I wanted to get promoted. I wanted to, to move up because at every stage of policing, you have a certain level of authority, but it's limited. And it's like, do you have the authority that you need in order to help the people you care about the most? And I didn't have that until I sat in this particular position. And I certainly use uh, my position or what little authority or power I have in order to help the entire Madison community, because this is an amazing community to me. Okay, well, Chief, I, you know, let's, let's, I know we're going to have a part two of this podcast, yeah. and I, I, want, I want to stop it here because I want to come back next time and talk about, because you jumped over some steps, right? You yeah. say you were, you were a teacher, but I want to know, you know, you were a teacher, and being a teacher, you decided, oh, yeah, I might want to try this police officer thing out. Like, I want to know that process for people who might be out there in the community who might be thinking about, I might want to be a police officer, right? So, and what does that look like? So I want to come back to that and really dig into then you actually being the police officer yeah. and what does that look like? As a, as a black man, I am fascinated listening to your story of even being a police officer. I mean, just doing that part to me is, it's audacious to me. Uh, so I love this part of the story, your origin, origin story, but I really want to dig in more now about you actually being a police officer. So we'll come back to that in the next podcast. All right, you got it. Thank, Thank you, you sir.